This is Carl Malamud for the Internet Multicasting Service. On Harper Audio today, we feature novelist Ernest Hemingway in a rare early recording, reading one of his short stories as a work in progress. There was a long white beach with coconut palms behind it. The reef lay across the entrance of the harbor, and the heavy east wind made the sea break on it so that the entrance was easy to see once you had opened it up. There was no one on the beach, and the sand was so white that it hurt your eyes to look at it. The man on the flying bridge studied the shore. There were no shacks where the shacks should have been, and there were no boats anchored in the lagoon that he could see. You've been in here before, he said to his mate. Yes. Weren't the shacks over there? They were over there, and it shows a village on a chart. They sure as hell aren't there now, the man said. Can you make out any boats up in the mangroves? There's nothing that I can see. I'm going to take her in and anchor, the man said. I know this cut. It's about eight times as deep as it looks. He looked down into the green water and saw the size of the shadow of his ship on the bottom. There's good holding ground east from where the village used to be, his mate said. I know. Break out the starboard anchor and stand by. I'm going to lay off there. With this wind blowing day and night, there will be no insects. No, sir. They anchored in the boat. She was not big enough to be called a ship, except in the mind of the man who was her master lay with her bow into the wind with the waves breaking white and green on the reef. The man on the bridge watched that she swung well and held solidly. Then he looked ashore and cut his motors. He continued to look at the shore, and he could not figure it out at all. Take three men in and have a look, he said. I'm going to lie down a while. Remember your scientists. When they were scientists, no weapons showed, and they wore machetes and wide straw hats, such as Bahaman spongers were. These the crew referred to as sombreros scientificos. The larger they were, the more scientific they were considered. Someone has stolen my scientific hat, a heavy-shouldered basque with thick eyebrows that came together over his nose said, Give me a bag of frags for science's sake. Take my scientific hat. Another Basque said, It's twice as scientific as yours. What a scientific hat, the widest of the Basques said. I feel like Einstein in this one. Tomas, can we take specimens? No, the man said. George knows what I want him to do. You keep your damn scientific eyes open. I'll look for water. It's behind where the village was. The man said, See how it is. We'd probably better fill. H2O, the Basque said. That's scientific stuff. Hey, you worthless scientist, you hat stealer. Give us four or five-gallon jugs so we won't waste a trip. The other Basque put four wicker-covered jugs in the dinghy. The man heard them talking. Don't hit me in the back with that damn scientific ore. I only do it for science. 
fornicate science and his brother, science's sister. Penicillina is her name. The man watched them rowing toward the two white beach. I should have gone in, he thought, but I was up all night and I've steered 12 hours. George can size it up as well as I can, but I wonder what the hell has happened. He looked once at the reef and then at the shore, at the current of the clean water running against the side and making little eddies in the, in the lee. Then he shut his eyes and turned on his side and went to sleep. He woke as the dinghy came alongside, and he knew it was something bad when he saw their faces. His mate was sweating as he always did with trouble or bad news. He was a dry man and did not sweat easily. Somebody burned the shacks, he said. Somebody tried to put them out, and there are bodies in the ashes. You can't smell them from here because of the wind. How many bodies? We counted nine. There could be more. Men or women? Both. Are there any tracks? Nothing. It's rain since. Heavy rain. The sand is still pitted with it. The wide-shouldered Basque, whose name was Ara, said, They've been dead a week anyway. Birds haven't worked on them, but the land crabs are working on them. How do you know they've been dead a week? No one can say exactly, Ara said, but they've been dead about a week. From the land crab trails, the rain was about three days ago. How was the water? It looked all right. Did you bring it? Yes. I don't see why they should have poisoned the water, Ara said. It smelled good, so I tasted it and brought it. You shouldn't have tasted it. It smelled good, and there was no reason to believe it was poison. Who killed the people? Anybody. Didn't you check? No. We came to tell you. You were the skipper. All right, said Thomas Hudson. He went below and buckled on his revolver. There was a sheath knife on the other side of the belt, the side that rode high, and there was the weight of the gun on his leg below his shorts. He stopped in the galley and found a spoon and put it in his pocket. Ara, you and Henry come ashore. Willie, come in with a dinghy and then see if you can get some conks. Let Peter sleep. To his mate, he said, check the engines, please, and all tanks. The water was clear and lovely over the white sand bottom, and he could see every ridge and wrinkle in the sand as they waded ashore when the dinghy grounded on a ridge. He felt small fish playing around his toes and saw they were tiny pompano. Maybe they're not true pompano, he thought, but they're exactly like them. They're most friendly. Henry, he said when they were ashore, you take the windward beach and walk it all the way up to the mangroves. Watch for tracks or anything else. Meet me here. Ara, you take the other beach and do the same. He did not have to ask where the bodies were. He saw the tracks that led to them and heard the rattle of the land crabs in the dry brush. He looked out at his ship and the line of breakers and Willie in the stern of the skiff with a water glass, looking over the side for conks as the skiff drifted. Since I have to do it, I might as well get it over with, he thought. But this day was built for something else. 
It's strange how they have such a rain here when there was no need for it, and we had nothing. How long is it now that we have seen the rains go by on either side and never had a drop? The wind was blowing heavily, and had blown now, day and night, for more than 50 days. It had become a part of the man, and it did not make him nervous. It fortified him and gave him strength, and he hoped that it would never stop. We wait always for something that does not come, he thought. But it is easier waiting with the wind than in a calm or with the capriciousness and the malignancy of squalls. There is always water somewhere. Let it stay dry. We can always find it. There is water on all these keys if you know how to look for it. Now, he thought to himself, go in and get it over with. This has been Harper Audio. Harper Collins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of HarperCollins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly & Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanet.